Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, this is our financial hour. Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Now, anybody that ever went to a dance in the 70s, this was the slow dance song by Chicago vocalist Jimmy Pankow. Um, And it was played everywhere, all over the place. song came out in 1970. It was uh, Chicago 2. Of course, Chicago originally called Chicago Transit Authority. They had the original album, and then from then on, they just called them Chicago. You had Chicago 2, 3, 4, 5. I don't know how many you did. And, and that's the end of the song right there. I mean, it's a 2-minute and 53-second song. But So they didn't want those kids slow dancing for too long, you know. Anyway. Big song from the 70s. Makes me think of going to a dance at Camp Mondamon. That's just where my mind goes. All right. We got, you know, when the market is not in good shape, we just don't talk about it, which is fine. So what we're going to talk about today is something (laughs) not really about the market. It's going to be, it sort of falls into the general category of Monte Carlo simulations. It's basically trying to extrapolate from the past, uh, you know, what we think things might do down the road. This all plays into financial planning. It's a center tenet of anything that makes an assumption that your portfolio will have some kind of positive gain over the future. But we don't know that for a fact. So we fall back on data to try to help ourselves. Right. Monte Carlo simulation. Let's back up what is a Monte Carlo simulation. Um, Each... Each program is a little bit different, but basically it assumes that you lived, say, a thousand lifetimes. And with your particular situation, you have certain assets, liabilities, monthly expenses, with all those, all your personal variables. In those thousand lifetimes, what was your chance of success? Meaning you did not outlive your money. Your money outlived you. 
or failure, which is you outlive your money. That's a big problem. And so the goal of Monte Carlo is not to be a predictive tool of what an investment outcome is going to be. The, the, the tool is designed to show potential risks and highlight and kind of shine a light on areas that could be problematic for you. Um, and those problematic areas could be spending. Uh, it could be, you know, liabilities that you have. Uh, it could be not enough assets. All, all of those things are intertwined. They all kind of come together. It's basically you're spending more than what you should be. Um, but then it also takes into effect, you know, different rates of return in the market. And so to your point, Tom, it, it makes an assumption of a rate of return. Always to a will. Yeah. Um, and then you also put other assumptions in, uh, inflation rate, taxes, all those things. Because <clears throat> remember, what yeah, we're gambling losses gambling losses gambling winnings yeah. um you know to be fair what i said what are those those gambling winnings <laughs> yeah. um but it's monte carlo it's not a it's not something that just statistical analysis sti- pure and simple. statistical I mean, analysis you, you're basically trying to come up with the probability that you might do a certain thing the fact is, whatever the Monte Carlo spits out, it will definitely not be what happened. That's right. I mean, exactly. It, it can't be because we cannot. It, it, it's a way to sort of give you some historical precedence of what's been going on and what may go on in the future, but it inevitably will not go on the way it shows that it might go on. It'll be outside the bounds or the deltas, if you want to call it, yeah. some way, somehow. That's right. Finan- mean, how could a Monte Carlo simulation have forecasted COVID? Exactly. And it's it's just like life. I mean, you think about it on a just a simple, let's look at a, over a year's time, your household budget. Yeah. You have X dollars that you're spending every month. How many months do you actually stay do it exactly exactly right we're talking in a year's time never so you don't know things that are going to come up right flat tire that's right engine goes out you know get something here and there yeah i know what you're and saying. so that and so that's the nature of this and that, that goes back to the old saying do you want to be roughly right or precisely wrong you have to have guardrails you know something to to go by something to give you a benchmark of where you're trying to go right and that's the whole point of the financial planning side of things which is to kind of keep you in the middle of the road look you're trying to extrapolate out 10 20 30 years out and but what you do is there's course corrections for when inevitably life happens or something goes really good or bad. Yeah. And so that's when it could you, be either you one. course correct. And it will be either one. Yeah. You'll have both. You're going to have them both. Both will happen. Um, and it will be unpredictable and it won't be what you forecasted for. But if you're in the roughly correct camp, you're going to plan for those uh, unforeseen things happening. They're going to happen. 
Yeah. Anytime you got machinery, parts mm-hmm. working together, something's going to break. Right. You know, chainsaw, whatever, you name it, it doesn't always work perfectly. Right. Well, and, and the whole premise of investing, the whole foundation is built to some extent on past experiences that a company will be able to make something and have a profit that a company will have a profit and pay dividends and, and all that. And so you, you are always making assumptions, but you're, those assumptions are based on what you're seeing today and historical perspective. Um, and that's just, that's just how it's going to be. It it has to be. That's, that's life. Um, you know, I know when I, when I get in my car, based on past experience, when I turn it on, it's going to start up. Now, maybe it won't today. Who knows? I've had them not do it. I know. Um, and so you you, you go with uh, information that you have. Um, but with that, you have to be careful not to have recency bias, which is extrapolating. And you can't help but have recency bias because the human being always is habitual and we don't want to have to think everything through. We assume certain things are going to be on autopilot. So, therefore, we are going to have recency bias, meaning we are going to be biased towards the thing that most recently happened. Yep. And we'll make the assumption that it'll happen again. And when it doesn't, <laughs> we're sort of going, oh. <laughs> it's like pe- people who play uh, casino games. Yeah, I mean, they... I'm thinking roulette specifically. It's the whole they idea think of, that of bet, betting on black, eventually black's going to come in. If it hasn't hit four times, if it's been red four times in a row, then their odds are greatly How improved. How many times have you black. heard somebody say? And they're not. They're still 50 50. I'm going to keep playing because I'm hot. That assumes that the next du- roll of dice knows that your last one was good <laughs> and that because you have declared that you're hot. That next one's going to happen. Same thing with, uh, you know, a shooter, a guy who is a basketball shooter, golf player. There's nothing different about the ball that leaves his fingers now the, the, versus the last one. It still has an equal chance of missing. We tend to think this way as human beings. We think because we're hot, we're going to stay hot. Right, right. Um, but – you know, using you know average rates of return, they're, they're, they did a calculation uh, in this article. It was a dollar cost averaging if they had invested in SPY, which is just the market back in 1994. You know, starting with a certain amount, adding five hundred dollars, what would it have been worth? And you know, it comes out to you know nine hundred and fifteen thousand or so. Um, but inevitably, if you started in 1995, that amount would be different. Or if right. you had the withdrawals, you know, coming out in different years, everything would be different. So you don't, you can't control, and they've done studies on this. One of the biggest factors on investment growth, uh, over a long period of time is the year you're born. Absolutely. And you don't, because have- that's going to have something to do with the vintages yeah. Of when you retire or start saving for retirement. We used to talk about, and we still do to some extent. Um, we don't talk about it enough. Uh, about how our investments are like wine grapes. You have vintages. 
Same thing with insurance companies. They put on a group of risks and they, you know, then they close the books on it and they wait for the premium to come in and the claims to come in and they see, is this going to be, you know, a good vintage? Sometimes it isn't. I mean, I'll tell you what turned really horrible was long-term care that ate them alive. But your time of birth is going to have an effect of when the era in which you're investing Mm -hmm. and you don't control what those returns are going to be during that time. Exactly. And so the, the point of having a plan, a financial plan and an investment plan, the point is to control what you can control, right? Um, know what you can't control, but do control what you can. Uh, which is everything from spending, um, you know, estate planning, uh, the types of investments you have, knowing where you are and in your in your investment life, n- being aware of it and controlling what you can control. Right. But also, you you when you're putting a financial plan together for the first time, you're forced to sit down and think about how long you really have to prepare for retirement, how much you're going to need. And basically you can, you can do a math equation to see if you're on track or if you need to make some adjustments, Mm -hmm. but it also, it, it forces you to, uh, to actually create something that is, uh, that is a starting point. I mean, it's like, I mean, I always described it as, is, uh, trying to predict if you're going to have enough money for retirement in 30 years is pretty much like ballistics, uh, where you uh, exactly. try to shoot a missile it, it and actually put in coordinates is exactly like that. that's a continent away, and you're trying to hit a target that's very precise, and it's just you can't really do it. You you, you take a crack at it, then first one's off track uh, or off target. You just you uh, fine-tune it, and that's what you do with the financial plan. It's a living document, or it needs to be, uh, so you can make adjustments. If we have a bad year in the market, what needs to change? If we have a good year in the market, can you can – you, uh, uh, spend more money or can you uh, stop saving as much or retire sooner? I mean, there, there are decisions that get made based on, on that plan, but you've got to start there. But it, it also uh, puts you in a situation where you, you start to have an idea of what you're, what, what's realistic and what isn't. That's right. Exactly. Well, and there's a lot of different things you can look at too. You know, a lot of it is, uh, there's, there are components of psychology to it too. You know, we, we've, We've looked at, you know, the, they call it the mental accounting uh, of asset allocation. Um, that could be, you know, bucket strategies. That's more psychological. Um, all these different, uh, different ways to view money. Um, you know, a bucket strategy is, well, I have X dollars in my, in my investment portfolio. I'm going to have 10% of it in this bucket, 10% in this bucket, and each one of those, you know, serves a certain purpose. That, that, that's just psychological because what ultimately matters, you could have all of that in one bucket as long as you're disciplined and you know what each dollar is going towards. Um, but what ultimately what matters is uh, the overall asset allocation, investment plan, financial plan for all of the dollars. It's not, it doesn't matter if one bucket is this and another bucket's that, or if everything is in one bucket, as long as it's all working in the right direction. Um, and so a, a big part of that is just the psychological side of it. Now, and a lot of people use that for budgeting. 
Um, and I can see that the envelope method, yeah, or the system, envelope yeah. method, um, and and it works for people. So you have to find what works for you, and that's where the the individual uh, relationship, knowing your knowing our clients, our clients knowing us, and putting something together that works for you. And the accountability factor also. Yeah. When you have someone that you've worked on a financial plan with. How are you doing on that one? I can always count on my trusted partner in life. (laughs) I just don't even. I think I'm doing pretty well, actually. I've got a great I, financial I, I, advisor. I, I, That's what it is. I, couldn't, I could. I could not resist. Sorry, that was terrible. I, I, I'm just, you know, that was too easy. All right. That was too easy. Going back to what I was saying, <laughs> Mike is a certified financial planner. He is. He has been trained to help people do this very thing. If you would like to have him or schedule a meeting with him. And it's a team it, thing too. I mean, you know, it's not just Mike. All of us. We Mike has a designation. Then Chad he, he, is a, a certified financial analyst, which is chartered. a chartered financial analyst, which is a, it's another C, which yeah. is a whole nother which level of stats knowledge. for geeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean we have we have some firepower here. Plus, some of financial planning is simply common sense. Yeah. But you, you know, just need a guide to help money you through coming it. Coming in and out. I mean. You, you know, it, it's you don't want to uh, you don't want to run yourself amok. You know, you want. I mean, to listen, retirement, life, any of it, it's about cash flow. What's coming in? What's going out? Some people think, oh, I got to have two million dollars in my retirement account, then I can quit. You haven't even started the planning part. What have you done to figure out how to take income from it? that doesn't involve liquidating it because let me tell you something for a lot of people, that's the plan liquidate the retirement account. Well, let me tell you, you better hope you don't run out of money before you run out of life. If that is what you're thinking about doing, I'm going to tell you there's a better way, a much better way you want to figure out how you take the income from your retirement plan as opposed to liquidating your retirement plan to live. We can do that. We can help you put together a financial plan, an investment plan. Those are two separate things. And set it up so that, you know, you're going to have a plan and it's going to be a hell of a lot better than not having one. Mutual respect. It sounds maybe a little corny, but if you just treat that retirement plan or your collective uh, retirement assets uh, just without respect, basically, if you try to just take the same amount of money out, regardless of what's going on in the market, uh, you just think, oh well, things will, things will work out. out. Things will work out down the road. Then yeah, you'll you'll uh, you'll probably run out of money. But if you go in there and understand that if you if things aren't uh, if the market's down maybe you need to back off what you're spending or you know get a part-time job or something if you do those if you work uh, if you coexist if you work with it or within the resources that are available to you it's going to take care of you in the long run but i mean 
the financial plan, I mean, it's again, I mentioned it's a dynamic and, and uh, evolving document because things change in your life. You have, uh, you're a year older, two years older. When you go back in for that review, your circumstances are different. You would take a slightly different approach to, to uh, the way forward. So uh, one quick thing to point out about what Mike does, Mike isn't only trained as a certified financial planner, but he does it every day. He talks to clients every day about this. So there's a lot of experience there where, uh, where he can he can put that experience to work for you. So That's come see so us at Dupree Financial Group. Thanks. Thanks for closing that out. That really was good. You're listening it's to the obvious Tom- that Louie likes them. Yeah. I do. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. We'll be back with more of the Financial Hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Just what you My name is Tom Dupree. Without a plan, you're doomed to failure. Many people have no idea how they plan to tap their retirement investments for income during retirement. At Dupree Financial Group, we specialize in retirement investing. That means turning your growth portfolio or your IRA into an income portfolio. You may need to draw on it for a lot of years Come in and let us review your plan and give you some ideas. Call us at 859-233-0400 and set up a complimentary appointment to review your investments. Listen to the Tom Dupree Show at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at DupreeFinancial.com.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Make Me Smile by Chicago from the same album, Chicago 2. Let it play. It, it, it does a little change. Here, there you go. I love this song. All right. No kidding. <laughs> then the Terry Katz guitar solo kicks in. Here, go ahead and keep playing it. Oh, my God. This is worth hearing. Some people said he was the most nimble guitar. I mean, I don't know if he was, he was no Eric Clapton or anything, but they said that he could play notes faster than anybody. Terry Kath. It sounded good. Very yeah. jazz guitar sound there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. What do you want to go for? Uh, it's. I want to <clears throat> do a tag on the last section we were talking about. Um we're talking about an investment plan and a financial plan. Um, but you know, what actually is a comprehensive investment plan? So we've seen it, you know, I don't know how many times people that come in, they have legacy assets. Right. This might be, you know, stocks that they don't want to sell it or or just stocks that they've accumulated over the years or they've inherited mutual funds that they've accumulated over the years. Um, it's like, it's like your closet at your house. You just accumulate stuff over time. And it's the same thing with, with an investment portfolio. Some of that stuff in your closet is probably worth a lot more than you bought it. Well, and a lot of these stocks that they've owned for all this time have gone up in price, but, uh, 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 just a big mismatch of stocks in an account or a portfolio is not an investment plan. There's a huge difference um, because couldn't agree with you more. That you know, buying a stock twenty years ago. But sometimes people think it is right. They they think they've got a plan because they've done some, and they have some done done some of the heavy lifting, which is to get the money saved absolutely and, and invested. But it doesn't necessarily constitute a plan. Because remember, we were talking about those course corrections. Um, if you you buy a stock 10 years ago and it's made all kinds of money, that's, that, I mean, that's fantastic. Nobody's going to complain about that. But what does it look like today? And is right. it serving uh, – uh, is it – does the investment – match up to what your goals are today. Uh, if that's drawing from the portfolio in retirement, maybe it doesn't, maybe it does. Um, or maybe, uh, you can build around a legacy position. Um, and so all of that, that's where it gets into the, the investment planning, a comprehensive investment plan, financial plan. It's making sure the different pieces are working together to accomplish your goals. Right. I like to describe it as 
you're a coach on a team and each player has a role and no matter what team you can think of a lot of different sports and it applies or uh, you could use an analogy for it but uh, you have people that are maybe multi talented they can do different tasks and and help the team and other people they're really good at rebounding or they're really good at uh, you know at uh, uh, I mean I'm just trying to think of another sport to spread it around they're they're great field goal kickers you know you don't want them out there trying to block for the quarterback but you uh, you definitely want them out there kicking your extra points so uh, but they all fit together and and uh, make a great team so you want I mean you have your uh, different assets you need to know what they are, why you own them, why they're part right. of your portfolio. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, and go ahead. No, I, go, I was just going to say, um, that's why if you, you look at our portfolio, that's why we have some things that are in there that are more, if you want to call it income now, higher income producing, higher dividend paying stocks. And then you have some that are lower to no dividend uh, because that serves a longer term growth purpose. Um, and so, but it's, it's all the balancing act. How do they, how do the different positions interact with one another? What purpose do they serve? Like you were saying, Chad? Yeah. It's a collection of things, each of which is doing what it's supposed to be doing in the portfolio. And in cases where you might have inherited a, a, a stock, or maybe you bought something when you were young and it's really gone up in value, um, and the reason that you that you own it is, I mean, it, it helped create wealth or it helped create wealth for the family. Um, and that concentration really, really made a, a big difference. But uh, if you have a concentrated position that can uh, be subject to, to bad news, I mean, there are multiple examples and um, uh, over over time. And I mean, I, I just... You, if you wonder if uh, any stock is, is truly safe over the long run, then go take a look at the composition of the nifty 50 from the the 70s a lot of those companies don't even exist anymore polaroid was one kodak eastman kodak was one doesn't exist and uh, so you you uh you take a look at, at that you just don't want to make sure once you once you're trying to to have that wealth work for you you don't want to to uh, watch it disappear because you've got a concentration risk there uh, so it's it's uh important i think to, to make sure you know even if you have a concentration how it fits and if the realizing gains on it, paying taxes is less uh, bad than, than uh, what would happen if it, if it sells off dramatically uh, because of bad news or market uh, markets turning South. Right. Well, you're, uh, you're talking about concentration. You're talking about, you're talking specifically in a portfolio, but you've seen it this year in the markets too. Uh, When you look at the S and P 500 versus the Dow, even, uh, you know, the gap between what the Dow, the, the Dow Jones is up year to date versus the S and P 500. It's the widest it's been since going back to 1945. Um, the, the S and P has gone up that much more than the Dow this year. And I've read a couple different reports. Uh, one of them I saw was the 10, the 10 largest holdings in the S&P 500 has made up 70% right. of the S&P 500's gain this year. Uh, another one that I saw is if you just look at the mega tech, that, inc- that, that makes up all of the gains. If you excluded those, the S&P would actually be down on this one report that I saw. E- either way you look at it, the market right now, you have a few things that have worked this year, 
and basically everything else is down. Um, yep, a lot of stuff is down. That doesn't make it bad. It just means it's down right now. Yeah, and and that's the point because anytime you're you're comparing your investment, we talked about this some last week, uh, where you know you 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 pick the 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 torture that you are most comfortable with. I think was the title of that one. Um, but inevitably, your investment approach at some point is not going to be fun. Um, and right now, unless you are highly concentrated in just a few tech names, your portfolio's not doing much this year. Um, but that totally takes away from the long-term perspective on things. Totally. Because if you look at long-term, what's been one of the largest components of return of the stock market? Dividends. There you go. Um and so dividends, by their nature, are very boring and very slow. They're not the 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 Facebook and the Fang stocks, you know, that have gone up this year. It's not that approach. You're looking for a long term compounding machine. It's now Mang, Mang, yeah, Mang. Not uh, Mang anymore. I'm always going to call that sucker Facebook, though. You know, it's just, I don't know. Let well, me see. You, you, you still thinking about buying some Chipotle? Or, I mean, you know, <laughs> where, where are we on, where are we on this? He, nope. does, he doesn't let go of things, Mike. No, you know no, I know. No. He'll be asking Remember like an elephant. Years. Still over 2000 bucks. Golly. You know, you could have. You could retire. I wouldn't Mike. even have to be doing this show anymore. <laughs> I mean, you, you could you could just be doing the show from the Bahamas or something. It might right? be the Mike yeah. Johnson and Tom really? show. So, yeah, so let's revisit that That's, pain. He would be our biggest client, you know. Where was it when he you first his own looked account. at it? I remember looking at it when it was spun off from McDonald's. Golly, why would you admit that? I mean, it's just it's one of those things, you know. <laughs> Everyone I has mean, a story like that. One they yeah, missed on, they said we all do. Yeah. Don't don't. I'm joking with uh, you. I know that. You know, um, but you know, you it, you have to be careful when you're investing because right now emotions are running high with yeah. investors because some people they're tickled pink because of where things are looking. Yeah. Others. Not so much. And what do they, what, what's the natural emotion to try to do when you're, if you just invested in the Dow versus the S&P 500, the emotion that you would, you would be trying to play catch up, trying to buy something that's going to get you up to where the S&P 500 is. Don't do that kind of thing because inevitably what you're going to be, you're, you're, doubling down on risk and what that's doing that can totally dismantle your long-term investment or financial plan um look at what you own analyze if there's a problem with what you own then take action do something with it but don't abandon a long-term investment plan just to try to play catch up with some arbitrary index out there don't let regret be the guiding principle of how you invest your money there you go did you steal that from somebody or did you just come up with that i just thought it up yeah it's like using it's like 
going out with this girl because you're mad at the old one. <laughs> you know, that's not fair to the new one. You're using old baggage to make a, in, in this case, an investment decision in a relationship, but it's the same kind of thing. It's right. an, it's investments that are driven by emotion and as, as opposed to It's all by, about emotion. You didn't think about it. Is that something like recency bias? I think they kind of the flip side of yeah, it. Yeah, I think they refer to that as loss chasing. Uh, because what you're doing, you're trying to catch up to where you quote unquote could have been otherwise. If you know, if if you knew exactly what things were going to be, it's just, it's it's the same with uh, a gambling mindset. Um, you have a loss, well, you double down on the loss. You, you just keep doing that. You keep taking more risk, um, even though the outcome's probably not going to be any different. Um, and so that's why you have, I mean, first off, that's why we have a team, um, is to mitigate our own emotions. Um, but then that's why you want to have somebody that's on your side you create your team uh, because it's investing on your own. It's tough. And as a small team, we can be nimble and develop a portfolio that is robust. <laughs> You've been around me too like long. Like you're in first you know, grade or really, something. I know, right? Yeah, this Pitiful. is not good. It, it is. It's terrible. <laughs> it's just not right. Did you program him to say that? No. <laughs> and here's the thing that bothers me. Chad's falling right into line. Maybe there's some uh, <laughs> fundamental uh, universal truths to what we do, which yeah, is I know <laughs> reversion to the mean, uh, trying to take the emotion out of investing, yeah. uh, following uh, methods that have worked over centuries and, and even that's millennia, true. not something that's just trying to trade um, the latest fad. I mean, it's, You're right. you, you try to buy something for less than it's worth and then let the market reprice it. I mean, uh, we can start going into the Benjamin Graham quotes here and I'll spare you from that. But basically, you want to take the emotion out of investing if you want to be successful long term with it. And that's you have exactly to right. be able to ignore the short-term popularity contest that is uh, the tech stocks at this moment, or, or yeah. Bitcoin was one more recently as well, uh, and look at what works over time and, and align your, your future to that. That's, that's what we do here. We don't try to make it overcomplicated. We just look at what works, and we try to replicate that going forward. And we put in the hard work to find those investments uh, right. and, and then give them time to work for us. We had an Good ad campaign. Well yeah, we had an ad campaign that was probably twelve years ago or so, where one of the quotes was one that Tom came up with, and it was "Good companies, the stock market goes up and down. Good companies endure." And if that isn't a timeless statement and quote by our very own, mm-hmm. I think that was a smart quote. I think I think it's endured for sure. No, it was, you know, I attribute, this is, nobody does it on their own in this business. I attribute a lot of these quotes to my grandfather, who was also in this business. And he said things, one of the things that he said, he said, never entrust, how did he say it? Your investment result. It's either your investment results or your financial well-being to the kindness of strangers. 
I mean, in other words, that's not to say you wouldn't take investment advice from someone, but you want to trust them but verify what you're looking at, you know, especially in his world, which was non-fiduciary. They didn't have fiduciaries like us. They, that, when he was a stockbroker, it was all caveat emptor. People were selling you stuff. You were selling stuff to other people. The only thing you had going for you was the hope that you would try to do well for your client in the hopes that you would keep the business over a long period of time. Well, you have to understand the investment. It's gotten so much easier now with the, the Internet, with uh, data services like your Bloomberg terminal, and even Reuters has one, among others. But there's a lot of information out out there so that wasn't available when your grandfather was, was going through these books. No. They had to learn from reading the annual reports or the prospectuses, uh, uh, different, uh, different uh, documents that people don't really read anymore. Uh, but you know the trick I think now is trying to understand the uh, or process the the volume of information that is available yeah. to and you the and the speed that it reaches everyone yeah. and discern what is relevant and what isn't relevant and most of it is not relevant and these short term fluctuations that are Very driven by the current conversation like debt ceiling issues. Um, I'm not saying that uh, something couldn't happen with that, but historically it doesn't. I mean these are short term uh, reactions and. Uh, later found to be buying opportunities in many cases. Yes. I mean, uh, that's, that's what we're looking. We're combing through the the uh, the 52-week low list here to try to see if there's anything that's on sale right now. and Can we buy it? How do you like them, Louie? I like uh, There's a lot to like right now. We just have to give it some time to work for us. That's all. Well, you remember when we used to cringe every time Donald Crump, Donald Crump, what a, <laughs> that's a whole new name. Donald Trump used to tweet. Oh, yeah. And I remember Mike said one day, he needs to stop doing that because it would so greatly affect yep. a swing in the market for no good reason. Yep. It was just the the reaction, the emotional reaction to what we, he was. We had a uh, client who's passed away, and he said there was another president at the time, and he said every time so-and-so speaks he costs me ten thousand dollars <laughs> but that's an example that? of how yeah. information yeah. travels you know if, if before right. before all of that it would take a day or two for that's information right. to reach so it makes for bigger swings is that mm -hmm. right it can make for bigger and quicker um and that's that's the interesting thing you know the technology information flowing it it doesn't necessarily make the market easier. It makes it faster, um, but maybe it makes it more efficient in a shorter amount of time. Maybe that's questionable because you have all these, uh, you know, uh, trading mechanisms, all the different things that can uh, artificial intelligence, AI, different things that can make volatility that much worse. Um, but anyway, all of that, it can give opportunities to a long-term investor is what it makes when you boil it down. And that's you, what we're here to do is to find those opportunities. Right. You have been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to come see us, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website and schedule an appointment directly on the website. We appreciate you listening. Stay tuned. There's always more of the Tom Dupree Show coming up.